did 17 episodes. In season two, this is the finale, and we have Super Bowl champions. I would just like to say that I was right, I was right, and I was right again. Hey everyone, my name is Ashley Gibbs, and I'm your host of another episode of Not Your Average Cheerleader. That's right, here we discuss everything NFL football related, from the players, to the game, to the injuries, to even the contracts. So sit back, listen in from a female perspective who secretly loves the game. And let's dive into this conversation and get started. I always find it so fascinating that I was able to record like 17 episodes of season two and the viewership has, or the listening ship, I guess I should call it because you're not watching me, at least not yet. <laughs> um, the listeners have gone up. Uh, we have had listeners in Ireland. Um, we've also had listeners in England. We have listeners in Africa and many parts of the United States and places I never thought that I would pick up listeners. So as we start off this season finale, I just want to say thank you guys so much for sticking with me through season one, season two, all my jokes, all my randomness, all my quirkiness, um, my seriousness. I appreciate you. I truly love this game. I love watching it. And there's so much more to come. I'm so excited um, to announce that from here, after this season finale, we are recording. Yes, that's correct. We are recording a two-part panel episode session that's going to launch on Not Your Average Cheerleader YouTube channel. Where I'm going to bring together a group of people. We're going to recap the entire NFL season, and that is going to premiere before the beginning of April. You'll be able to go follow Not Your Average Cheerleader on YouTube. Um, definitely go look it up, Not Your Average Cheerleader YouTube hit the follow button, subscribe, because I'm going to be giving you more. You'll just be able to see my beautiful face. And you can also go follow NYAC20 on Instagram, where I can continue to post NFL memes, breaking news, all kinds of wonderful things. So the journey doesn't stop here until season three. The journey just halts as far as podcasting goes, but there's so many more outlets, and I'm so excited to keep building with you all. Thank you for letting me talk football this entire season during a time we had a pandemic and more. But as you already know, this today's episode is brought to you by the coffee in my cup. It's like a zebra style cup. I wish you guys could see it. It's like a zebra style cup. I have a collection of cups, as you already know. And I love iced coffee. And I did my caramel swirl this morning. Their machine was broken. I was like, Dunkin' Donuts, get it together. Why is your machine broken? I was sitting in that line for like 10 minutes just waiting to pay because the machine was broken. Luckily, thank goodness, because we need coffee to survive. Um, the machine guy came back up and I was able to pay with my little like barcode pass thingy that I have because I drink so much coffee that I have to load my cards. I know someone out there understands. But you're here for football, right? Not for my coffee orders or anything like that. You know, so much going on. Quick fire topics first. Let's get started. As you know, Deshaun Watson is not joking. He's ready to leave the Texans. There's so much rumor, Bill, as to where he's going. There's even speculation of the 49ers being interested in him, the Jets, Miami Dolphins, so many teams that could possibly have an, an anticipated strong 2021 season just with Deshaun Watson as their quarterback, it is um, alleged that the Texans are ready to start a bidding war for Deshaun Watson. As you already know, 
That team has not done well. They have not included Deshaun Watson in a lot of the major conversations that he wanted to be included in. The front office is basically, in so many words, told him, focus on just playing football. Don't worry about the decision-making process. When he was given the green light that he would be part of those decision-making processes as far as hiring coaches, weapons, things like that. So um, it'll be interesting to see what this offseason looks like because you also have Drew Brees still has an announced retirement. I heard, I heard allegedly that Drew Brees from sources is taking a pay cut possibly for them to bring in another quarterback and hire more weapons. So we don't know. We don't know what Drew Brees is going to do. He hasn't announced anything officially yet. Um, there was a lot of speculation that he would retire. Um, he took some major hits last season, um, but we don't know. We're going to we're gonna see. He's 43, I think, the same as Tom Brady. And then on top of that, we're still waiting on Jimmy Garoppolo's fate for the 49ers. Um, because, <laughs> can I just say this? I find it interesting that they continuously keep talking about drafting new quarterbacks like Jimmy's not sitting right there listening, that like he's not reading the articles. And you have George Kittle like, Jimmy Garoppolo is our quarterback. And I was like, mm, is he though? Because from the way I heard, they're looking elsewhere. If there's another or better option, it sounds like the 49ers are going to go with it. We're looking to have a healthy team this coming season, people off the bench. I think it's going to be um, a, a really good chance for them to have their comeback season they were hoping to have. On top of that, Carson Wentz, you guys remember how I spent two episodes talking about that situation. Carson Wentz, it's official. They're looking, the Jets are looking to approve that trade option. And let me tell you, we're going to see where Carson Wentz stands right now. I think I'm more concerned about who the Patriots are going to draft as their quarterback. Are they going to involve themselves in these bidding wars? They're going to have at least from what I've heard, enough capital to pay a decent quarterback to come in. Cam Newton is departing ways with the Patriots. We have no idea what Julian Edelman's status is. We don't know if they're going to draft more as far as wide receivers, people who we can recognize to do what they need to do. It's like they're rebuilding over there. I hope that's the case for many of us. We don't know what the heck's going on over there, to be honest with you. But I'm going to be keeping you updated again during the postseason and keep our eyes open for what's going to be going on. And it doesn't stop. You're just going to switch to YouTube and see my beautiful face and my smile and my eye rolls that I tend to give when I see something crazy or hear something crazy about football. And again, you can go follow Not Your Average Cheerleader on YouTube because that's where it's going to pick up. But that is your quick fire. We're going to keep an eye on all those things because there's also rumor about Russell Wilson. You guys, this offseason is going to be as good, almost as good as the regular season. Because there's rumors that Russell Wilson might not be happy. What? I just have to keep digging and getting the information for you guys and really leaning on my sources. So let's go ahead and get into what you guys are really here for. The Super Bowl, February 7th, Buccaneers versus Kansas City. We have results. And I just want to say for the record again, as you heard in the intro, that I was right. I predicted Kansas City, not Kansas City. I predicted Kansas City to lose. Let me um, say it backwards. I predicted them to lose. I predicted the Buccaneers to win. I was overzealous with the points. I think I said like 47 or 41 to like 37 or something like that. I I don't really predict points. I'm really bad at that. But it was 31 to 9. I, I've tried to get that out without laughing. 31 to 9. And if I had to sum, sum that game up, um, it was 
like watching, you remember the movie Little Giants? Someone posted this meme on TikTok and it was quite hilarious. Remember that movie, The Little Giants with the kids who were like, we're the rejects and they wanted to play football. And the poor little kid was just running in circles as a defense just chased him around and he's like begging the referee to blow the whistle. It's kind of how I felt Patrick Mahomes was a good chunk of the entire game. It was really daunting to watch. I was like, is this guy running all in the backfield? But I will say this. I'll give Patrick Mahomes this compliment because as he would go down, he would release the ball and it was still fine a receiver. The receiver just didn't catch it, but you got to give him credit. That's crazy. That's crazy random accuracy, as I like to call it. So we had the Buccaneers leave basically the stadium because they live there, leave the stadium with the Lombardi Trophy, Tom Brady, seventh Super Bowl ring, legit. 10 Super Bowl appearances. He's in a category all by himself. His rating during that game was 125.8 versus Mahomes' rating was a 52.3, the worst in his NFL um, season career as far as it goes for this past season. That was the worst rating he's received. The 125 for Tom Brady was the highest that he's received this season. And you have to admit, Patrick Mahomes when the ball was released behind the line of scrimmage, all that running that he did, go watch the the highlights. I go watch the real highlights. It's going to basically show you uh show you him running all over the place. He ran 500 yards, I think. I think it was like 490 something, somewhere around between 490 and 500 yards back there. Back there. Not forward, back there. That's how many yards he was running with a a a toe injury that was paining him all playoff season and just breaking news happened that it is confirmed. He does have to get surgery. He's supposed to get surgery, I believe today, um, Wednesday. Um, and then he will have a full recovery and even stronger season when he comes back. But him running back there, that was a poor performance as we sat and we watched him run for his life. (laughs) You guys, I please go watch the highlights. I mean, it's not funny, but it's funny. Um, because I was just like watching the TV and my eyes were scrambling. So I was like, wait, what is he doing? Where is he going? Why is he back that far? And then like you see the defense just chasing him. It was like, <laughs> I was just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, I can't not watch it. Um, so that's kind of how I felt about that. Every inch of his life, his offensive line They did their job at times, but could they possibly have done it better? Absolutely. I mean, if you watch the game, you're sitting there like, who's who's protecting this kid? So, you know, um, that's what we saw Patrick Mahomes doing every 30 seconds. We're going to get to some other stuff in a minute, but that was the ratings for the two quarterbacks. You're talking about almost a 75, maybe 73. Let's go with 72 because I'm eyeballing the math right now. A 72 percentage difference between Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Again, this is Tom Brady's seventh ring, tenth Super Bowl appearance. He has three different ring or three rings in different decades. You guys, Tom Brady's in a category all by himself. He is legit the GOAT. We had a whole episode about whether Tom Brady's the GOAT. This solidifies that. I don't think we have to have that conversation anymore. I don't think we have to have the debate anymore. I don't think we have to have the discussion anymore. All I have to do is hold up his wins, how he made everyone else around him look better. He's a leader. I think that that's really the most important thing. You had touchdowns, two from Gronk, one from AB, 
And then Fournette, out of nowhere, just bulldozing through. And then you had some highlights from other players whose names I didn't write. Jones, I think Jones um, the second was on his jersey. I was like, wait, I looked at my sister like, who's that? We've never seen him play. He was helping gain some yardage. The running game that the Bucks had, that they utilized that, that entire Super Bowl game matchup, was really interesting because we expected to have Tom Brady come in and legit just throw the ball. But that's not what they did. They balanced it out. They were running the ball, I would probably say, a good chunk of the time. Then when they really needed to gain yardage, that's when they started to really like count on Tom Brady to throw that ball. There was one part where I believe it was like, I don't know if it was fourth and goal or whatever it was, and I think it was their last one. They were supposed to punt it back or they wanted to do a field goal kick. Yeah, that's what they wanted to do, the Buccaneers. They are going to do a field goal kick. Suckup was getting ready to come out there, and here Tom Brady was like, no, we're going to go for the touchdown. I want a touchdown. And he literally put his hand up and was like, no. And I was like, oh, shucks, Tom Brady is calling all the shots. He would not have pulled that stunt on the Patriots with Bill Belichick. But guess what they did? They scored the touchdown. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you can't – I mean, Gronk was just – I don't think anyone anticipated Gronk scoring two touchdowns, maybe one, but not two. I mean, it was a Patriots reunion. Gronk, AB, Fournette. I mean, it was, it was absolutely insane. Tom Brady was named the Super Bowl MVP. But if you ask anyone else, let's get into um, the the back end of what people were saying. You ask anyone else, they're gonna say that the defense, the defense, the defense. Everybody for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, defensive coordinator Todd Bowles should be named MVP. This guy. I mean, you saw basically Kansas City get, I think it was like um, cover two as far as their um, their strategy. They didn't change it. They kept doing what they did the entire season, and the penalties didn't work in their favor in this case. And the defense, Todd Bowles, you know, kudos to him and that entire staff, insane He deserves so much credit because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers shut down Kansas City. They didn't score a touchdown, you guys. That nine points came from Butker, who kicked the ball and kicked a field goal and got three field goals for them to put points on the board. So basically, if you take Butker out, they have no points because they didn't score any touchdowns. That defense shut down Travis Kelsey. It shut down Hilaire. It shut down Tyreek Hill. It shut down the major players on that offense. It shut down Patrick Mahomes and put so much pressure on him straight out the gate in the first quarter that you felt like you were watching Kansas City versus the Buffalo Bills in the playoffs and Josh Allen running to God for his life and under duress back there. That's how Patrick Mahomes looked. If I had to give you a visual, if you watch that game, Kansas City versus the Buffalo Bills, and watch Josh Allen in the pocket just running all over the place, that's how Patrick Mahomes looked. My mom literally turned to me and said, he looks a lot like that quarterback from what they did to the Buffalo Bills. I said, huh, he does, doesn't he? So (laughs) that's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense. Shout out to you. You guys really help hone that game. But you also got to give the offense some credit because if the defense had shut it down, but the offense didn't do any work to score any points, that game would have been a lot closer. Here's the biggest thing. Kansas City was always getting penalties called the entire season, but it didn't heavily impact the results of the game 
because they were either only down by a touchdown and they were playing a team whose defense just could not stop their offense. So the penalties don't make too much of a difference when you're up by, you know, two, three touchdowns. It doesn't make a difference. But in this case, when you let that large of a gap come between you and your opponent in just the first half that now you're getting called a bunch of penalties that honestly, some there was only one penalty call that I was like, I don't know what that was. They called it pass interference. It didn't look like pass interference. It looked like holding to me because the camera from the front, when I think it was Mike Evans, if I'm not mistaken, was coming down. And I guess whoever was co- the, the CB or the defensive back, whoever was trying to cover him came down and then Mike Evans came down. They called pass interference, but that's not pass interference because the guy wasn't even around him or in front of him. But from the front, it looks like nothing. If you look at the back camera, because they showed that too, the guy grabbed his shirt and was holding on to him and then grabbed his ankle as he was coming down. So everybody was like, that was a bogus call. Like that was an iffy call, in my opinion. I don't think it was pass interference. I think it was something else if they had to give it a name. But that was one call that I was just like, uh... And so, you know, that's that's one. A lot of fans are like the calls really, you know, if I remember I forgot whose girlfriend it was tweeted. um, No, I didn't forget. It was Travis Kelsey's girlfriend was like, if you wanted it to be Kansas City versus the refs, just say so. That was all over social media. And my biggest thing was that I was just like, it's not versus the refs. Let's go watch every game. Like, I'm sure you have. Kansas City, even other sportscasters said this. They all came in alignment with this that those penalty calls, there wasn't a bunch of them that were terrible. I mean, at the end of the day, Kansas City is known for basically getting called penalties. The only problem was they were winning, so it didn't look like anything. You were just like, oh, penalty call, it don't matter. We got this game in the bag. But when you're losing and you get that many penalty calls for stuff that's obvious, you know, the, the biggest debate was between Honey Badger and, you know, Tom Brady. They squash it. Tom Brady texted him and apologized. Honey Badger was like, Hey, he, I never saw that side of him because Tom Brady was basically smack talking right back. And I don't think people expected that from him, but Honey Badger got called for unsportsmanlike, I guess, conduct or whatever it was because Tom Brady was walking on a field and Honey Badger put his finger in his face. Everybody's like, well, Tom Brady was about to walk back after him. He didn't call for anything. I said, walking back after him and putting your finger physically in somebody's face are two different things. Because you could still get stopped. But Honey Badger's finger was dead in Tom Brady's face. Like, up in his helmet. Like, watch. I'm telling you, watch the footage. I sat here and said, y'all are complaining about these calls, but we got tape that says otherwise. That's just me. Um, Because the Buccaneers got called for stuff, too. One of their players got called for unsportsmanlike conduct for putting up the two fingers. Like, that's two. He got called for that. We got called for roughing the passer. God help me. Patrick Mahomes took some hits back there. That, That scared me for a minute. But... So I don't want to hear, oh, well, it was the calls, the calls. Go back, watch the footage, and make sure you try to get footage from both angles because sometimes one way you're seeing it, you're not going to see the penalty. You see it from a different camera, and then you're like, oh, there it is. And I, I remember saying, well, I don't see it. And then when they played it back and they got a different angle, that's when I saw it, and I was like, oh, okay, I see it now. So it's one of those things where don't be mad because Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense shut down the offense. Don't be mad because the – Kansas City defense didn't do their part because they kept getting called for everything under the sun. And even Kansas City got called for offsides during a field goal kick. Come on, you guys. Stop trying. Every time Tom Brady wins something, y'all want to sit here and say, well, the game was rigged. Well, he paid off the refs. First of all, you're now condoning. You're saying that there is 
cheating going on when you make comments like that. And on top of that, they got the the Kansas City Chiefs got called for offsides, the most rookie call in lining up for a field goal. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I was just like, the stuff they were getting called for, it didn't make any sense because they should have known better than that. It's like they didn't practice. Is it? Is it me? Anybody else out there agree? It's like they didn't practice. That's what it looked like. So then, you know, you had drop passes from Kelsey, a key drop pass that could have led to a, a first down. Um, You had, um, you know, they didn't stick with the running game. You had Tyreek Hill, who couldn't really get anywhere. And I remember in the first quarter of one game, he had almost 200 yards. But in this quarter, he barely had 10 in the first half. So, you know, again, Mahomes is under duress. It was a lot going on. It looked like they hadn't practiced. I will say that. A number one offense looked like they didn't get on the field in practice. That's just my perception of it. Um, My buddy Andrew had something to say, and I'm getting ready to close out with him. He said, nobody circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills. And then he also wanted to note to fans that Ric Flair still has nine more championships than Tom Brady. So, I mean, he's right. But you have to admit, Tom Brady's in a category by himself. He came out there. He executed flawlessly. There's a lot of, um, you know, discussion about what he did to prepare for that game, how he got into the mode of the mentality of winning. He texted the entire team the night before saying, hey, we're going to win this. And that's how you have to to act when I so when I think about real quick, and this is what I'm going to close out with. When I think about the players sitting on the side, the score was like 20 something to, to six or nine. So they still were technically in it. Um, before the half, they just all looked defeated. Honey Badger was over there complaining the whole time. So you're bringing down the energy on the sideline. And then on top of that, they just looked defeated. Nobody was really talking to anybody. And I said, that's a time you have to remember when the Patriots went to play the Falcons. You have to remember they were down 28 to three going into the third quarter. And that team felt defeated, but it took the captains, it took the the quarterback walking up and down saying, hey, we're going to give it all we got to that clock says zero. And that's sometimes how you have to be. And I think that that's what Kansas City, from a different perspective, that's what Kansas City was missing. They were missing that motivation. I hope that the mic'd up comes out so I can listen to it. But I was looking when they had the camera on that sideline, I was like, dang, nobody talking to nobody. They look like this game's already over and we are just going into the third quarter. At some point, you have to decide, are you going to go out like this or are you going to fight? I said, at least get your tail on the board like with a touchdown. Come on, get in double digits, Kansas City. I even started low-key rooting for them because I felt bad. Like, I just I just wanted more. And we weren't getting it. They're now questioning, what does this mean for Patrick Mahomes? Is he even in a GOAT conversation? I said, listen, Patrick Mahomes losing to Tom Brady doesn't deter the fact that he's a good quarterback that he's done things on the field that has made him look spectacular compared to others. That doesn't negate any of that. However, in this debate, comparing Tom Brady, who's had a longer career, has learned more, has achieved more than Patrick Mahomes, who still has a whole career ahead of him, that has to stop being a comparison. Because, you know, Tom Brady, he they said, quote unquote, he's coming back for another year. Gronk said, as long as Tom Brady's playing, he gonna play. We're going to see what their they the weapons are going to look like. They keep this same lineup. There's a chance they could go back. I think they're trying to build their own dynasty down there in um, Tampa Bay. 
And it's um, discussed that Mike Evans even said he would take a pay cut to keep the same lineup. So that's these guys care about winning because they were used to losing. That was the norm for them. Not anymore. Shout out to the first female um, referee to officiate um, to referee the Super Bowl. Um, Did an amazing job. She did kind of, she was looking for everything. She was calling a lot of stuff, y'all, and it won't for the Buccaneers. So um, she was calling a lot of stuff for Kansas City against the Buccaneers. So, but she was doing her job. So kudos to her for that. Kudos to, you know, the majority black coaching staff for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the offensive coordinator, the quarterback um, coach for the Buccaneers, the defensive coordinator. Shout out to, man, again, shout out to, to Todd Bowles and, the rest, I even think one of their trainers, it's crazy. You know, they have two women on their staff coaching. Like, it's just absolutely amazing the diversity down there in Tampa Bay. They've done something magnificent. They are the first NFL team to win at a Super Bowl in their own home turf. I said this, and I'm going to close out with this, you guys. I said this last episode. There was no way Tampa Bay was going to let Kansas City come in there and beat them in their own house, leave with that trophy, and then leave the stain of a defeat in their own home stadium. There was no way that was going to happen. I don't care how you slice it. You keep forgetting what motivates players, what motivates people. That's motivation enough. You're not going to come in my house, whoop my tail, and then go home with the trophy, and then I got to come show up to work every day knowing that I lost here on the biggest stage. No. Great performances from her. Oh, my gosh. That's a rendition. Let me tell you something. She killed it on the guitar, reminding that women can play the guitar. Black women can play the guitar. And then great performance from Jasmine Sullivan and um, the duet that she did. Amazing. I forgot the country singer's name, so please forgive me. But they did a great duet together. Great performances. The weekend's performance was interesting. The memes that have come out of it have been absolutely entertaining. Um, I can't stop laughing at them, <laughs> especially when he went in the gold room and everything and he was all up in the camera. It was absolutely entertaining. Please go rewatch the highlights. Go watch the performances. Enjoy. It was definitely something that was beyond the commercials were funny, in my opinion, funnier than they were last year, um, especially the State Farm, I think it was, with Drake and um, Paul Rudd and Patrick Mahomes and the um, um, Like a Good Neighbor State Farm is there. Um, and then uh, who was it? And Aaron Rodgers. So um, definitely some great stuff. Go check it out on YouTube if you get the chance. I appreciate you guys sticking with me for two seasons. This is the season finale episode. Get ready to follow NYAC20 on Instagram and also get ready to follow also Not Your Average Cheerleader on YouTube because more episodes are coming. I'm so excited to share more with you guys. Major production, two-part episode, where you get to see us recap the entire season, talk about social justice. We're going to talk about how COVID impacted this, um, 2020, the 2020 season. We're going to talk about how that led to the playoffs and the Super Bowl results. That means we're also going to talk more about Tom Brady. That episode is going to air in the next month or so. Um, we're super excited for it, and hopefully we'll have some special guests up there that you can enjoy. Again, love you guys. Appreciate every last listener that I have, even if it's only one. I appreciate you. Thank you, and bye.